0: they don't mind being cool, they, yeah, don't mind being cool they don't mind being compassionate they don't mind being caring because they're not worried about how they're going to be perceived by betas you know alphas don't worry about what betas think
1: the yeah they're concerned about that. It's like oh man yeah look, man you're being weak man what, what's up with you being weak like nah because i have a fucking heart i'm being weak <laughs> it's like come on what are you talking about Or even if you're just a polite guy to a woman, it's like, oh, that guy's a chump. It's like, no, I'm a cool guy. Yeah, exactly.
0: I don't disrespect people. I don't need to insult a woman to try to get her to like me.
1: Okay. (laughs) Because first of all, I mean, just for the fact you think I'm being a simp because I'm being nice to a woman already shows that you're, you're already weak. I'm like, no, what I'm, what I'm doing is being nice to a human being who just happens to be a fucking woman. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me right now? It's like, see, you're, you're already so limited in your vision right there. So there's really, it's not even worth even having a discussion with an idiot like that. You're like, oh, look at this simp. Oh, well, there was one guy mean? at
0: the gym, man. This is a funny story. There was one guy at the gym, and I was, I was just minding my own business, but I'm friends with some of the trainers there. And one of the trainers was having a conversation with this guy, and this guy was going on and on. He started giving advice to some young guy on women. And whenever a guy does that, you always know it's going to be bad advice. And this guy was <laughs> no exception. So he's sitting there going – Yeah, man. I don't buy anything for my girlfriend. You know, if she wants something, she can go buy it herself. It's like, why do I need to buy her anything? I was like, Oh yeah, here's a guy who's who has no clue about what anyone wants. It's not about buying things for your woman. It's about making her feel special. Every woman wants that. Everybody wants that period. I mean, the fact that this is this guy, I was like, this sounds like the lamest relationship I've ever heard. Like, here's a guy who does nothing to make his woman feel special. Hey, in any can way. I
1: tell you something? Can I let you in a little secret? When he, when he sits there and says something like, oh, I don't buy my girl anything. Trust me, there's some dude out there that's buying her. Enough of things. And guess what? He's being well, well comp- He's being well compensated for that as well. Like somebody, she's, she's thanking him for his 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 attention. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's reciprocating in some other way. And so guess what? It's all about reciprocity. So you're not right. giving her anything. Trust me, she's not giving you anything either. Even when you think <laughs> even if she is having sex with you, she's not giving you everything during that time. Right. She's just right. lying there. Which you it's, it's pretty much what is it, necro- necromony or whatever it is. You're basically you're having sex with a corpse because she is dead inside she is not feeling you dude so yeah so you tell the whole story when you're giving this advice out to these dudes because uh best believe she's not into you or giving you any type of thing anything in return when you're not right. giving her anything at all well, she'll really. tolerate
0: that for now but it's it's in the in the short run i'm not even going to say in the long run in the short run she'll eventually meet someone who's a cool guy gives her the exactly. right exactly that, that's going to be <laughs> She's not, and you you can't even blame, you can't even blame someone for cheating in that context. Why wouldn't they cheat? Of course they're
1: cheating. Hey man, people have needs, man. People have needs. You know, go look at that hierarchy of needs and then see where you fall on the spectrum and then see what you're giving on that spectrum to that other other person. And then, so if you're not not meeting the criteria, best believe, hey man, look, necessity is the mother of all inventions. So she's coming up with some plan to get what she needs. Okay. And it doesn't include you.
0: No, but I mean, this guy's going on about how, oh, I, I don't date women that don't have jobs. You know, I don't want them coming after me for my money. And I was like, yeah, right. What money? What fuck you buy,
1: about? I was about to say anyone that says that they don't, they don't have any money. So no, what he's saying don't. is, what he's saying is because my salary, my cost, my salary is so low. I can't afford for some woman to come and take my money. So that's why I don't take them because I don't have it to give in the first place. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like Mike Epson, that comedy bit. Let me tell you something about my money. <laughs> you know, I work hard for this money. <laughs> like I wasn't even going to give it to you. <laughs> you know, shut the fuck up, man. I don't need a lecture for 20 bucks. <laughs> you know what's funny about really good comedians? I was talking to Carol about this. Really good comedians, they talk about scenarios that you know for sure are true because you've experienced that. You just it's never exactly. thought about it the way they do. You, you didn't come up with a joke about it. But that whole bit with Mike Epps, he goes, look, man, Madoff, he's like if Madoff had any black cot lions, he would have been dead a long time ago. Right. <laughs> he goes, he goes, we'll put a hit out on you for a thousand
1: bucks, right? <laughs> man. Actually, I actually think there was one that's very famous, which I can't understand like why he was so because I saw it on him when they did um, I think they did an episode of American Greed on madoff yeah. and yeah. one of the people that popped out i was like wait a minute really it was teddy riley the producer oh, yeah he was one of the ones that got got scammed by um madoff i was like oh. and he was just kind of like yeah man i just can't believe he just did that and he's just seen so nice and just seen about i'm like wait a minute you were taking this way too calmly teddy i'm like you are from north carolina you're from north carolina but then i had to realize i say like, oh you're thinking about the wrong member of the group guy now had this been aaron hall the lead singer of guy oh yeah, Madoff wouldn't have, he wouldn't have just died a couple of months ago. He'd have been already taken out because, because the other members of the group guy are just a little bit more, let's just say, urban. Okay, let's put it like this. See, Teddy's working with all these crossover artists and all that, so he probably was like, yeah, I can't just go out and, and act like that because I have a certain clientele, whereas, you know, Aaron Hall and Damien Hall, the other members of guy in the group with um Teddy, they were like, oh no, no, we're going to get... Some hardcore brothers from uh, North Carolina to make our trip to New York and make sure we get our money back. (laughs) So that was the big difference. So yeah, there was at least one black guy that got scammed by him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I figured there
0: had to be at least one. He
1: he picked the right one, though. He, he was very particular in which one he. (laughs)
0: Yeah, he was no dummy.
1: Hey, look, man, it's kind of like
0: that was really smart by Madoff. Is that? He promised these returns that were not totally ridiculous, right? Fifteen percent, just enough. Yeah, twenty percent. So it doesn't set off any red flags. Now imagine if he if he promised seventy percent, fifty percent, hundred
1: percent returns. You know, year over right. year. You know, in the first five years you're gonna get you're gonna get eighty percent of your your for the next five years straight. <laughs> like really? <laughs> okay, what what kind of drug game are we in again? <laughs> so come on, man. But uh. Yeah. So that, like, see, that just kind of reminds you, like we were talking about last time about cancel culture. You know, people, people that were all this cancel culture, they know who exactly to pick. Yeah. <laughs> they're very particular yeah. on who they're going to pick. They, they're they not going to go after some of the most hardcore people. They're not going to go. They're not going to really say cancel Ice Cube because he made a song called A Bitch is a Bitch back in 1989. <laughs> but, but it took the black community to want to cancel him just because he actually took a, a plan that would actually benefit the black community to Trump if Trump won and to Biden and Biden didn't want to hear it. So he's like, Oh, you wouldn't talk to Trump. Oh, so, you know, we're, we're canceling ice cube. I'm like, Oh really? That's, that's what he's trying to do. Something that's actually going to take care of the community, no matter who wins. And you want to cancel him just because he talked to one of the other dudes who you don't like that's running compared to all the bitches and hoes and everything else that he's called y'all in the last 30, 40 years before all this, when he was younger. So I was like, yeah, that goes to show you that cancel culture makes no sense whatsoever makes no sense it's just like the virtue signal is just ridiculous
0: (laughs) you know what's good about what's what's good about my little rants on youtube is i don't get a lot of views right and i say that in a positive way because well you won't get you taken down 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 and you know you're filtered and exactly backlash because you know i would have to get into a high territory where I even then i wouldn't give a fuck i would still say what i want to say but I, I don't even have to have that as a fear at the back of my mind,
1: <laughs> right? Cause you don't have to worry about YouTube saying, "Well, we're demonetizing your page now, <laughs> and, and now we're putting you in YouTube jail for 30 days," and, right, right. and, and you, now you have to come on IG to have a video to get all your followers to go and and protest to YouTube to bit your channel back up. <laughs> and I've seen dudes <laughs> have had to do that over some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just like, really, you took his page down because of that, and. It was really weird because, you know, at the time we were recording this, um, there was actually like uh, some whistleblowers at Facebook. There's, you know, showing that how Facebook is actually, you know, purposely going out and finding pages that are like, even saying anything that would strike any concerns about the vaccine. So, and then automatically gets them down. So basically there's no questioning that even if you put up facts that's shown up on the CDC website, they're going out and targeting those pages and taking them down and banning them. I was like, come on, man. What are we doing here? It's like, it's just, what are you worried about? If it's, if it works, then why even take down that information where you even, you know, you strike up a conversation and why would you even go against the facts that were actually up on the CDC's website? <laughs> you know, it's just like, so can you cancel them? Can you take their page down? <laughs> so I wonder if anyone ever do that. So it's so weird that we're, this space that we're in, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like Hey man, Hey, none of that truth telling shit. And don't you dare ask any damn questions. <laughs> Let's not be logical human beings, okay? <laughs> just, just, just move along. So say, yeah, it, it's whole... just,
0: it just makes people that I don't like actually more powerful because it makes them come off more reasonable. People exactly. Like, people like exactly. Andy Owens <laughs> and that, those kind of people. All of a sudden, they look a lot more reasonable now because...
1: Because <laughs> <they're laughs> now, you, now you sit there and like, at first you're like, I'm glad they took her down. Then you're like... Mm okay maybe she was on to something but I don't want it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like before we start recording <laughs> it's just oh, like oh,
0: Candace, uh, Candace Owens is is the kind of black woman that white people like let's be honest you know what's so
1: funny even when you say it when you say Candace Owens is the type of black woman I just for some reason my ears turned off it's just like it's, it's like my common <laughs> sense meter went off like did he just say Candace Owens and black woman in the same sentence is Mike okay
0: no, no, she, looks, <laughs> she looks like she looks like she she comes <laughs> off like someone who like someone made her in a lab and they put a white person inside of a black person literally and and, and then white people like her because
1: well they just about they, black
0: people what she says about black people they would love they to get, say they get they
1: get to <laughs> say it in private yeah they get to say it in private They're like oh thank god finally one of them get to say it and yeah, i don't yeah, feel bad I mean, now
0: here's one of the good ones she's telling me like, or
1: or they they'll mask by calling her see this is a real american <laughs> <laughs> oh oh, do tell let's talk about this real american thing this theory you're talking about but um, yeah but this when you when you hear her talk i mean what you <laughs> mostly what you hear is a lot of trauma okay right there's a lot of trauma there's a right. lot of unresolved things going on there to the fact that when she's actually dropping some actual knowledge and some actual facts her hurt and her past overshadows that and it sucks it really sucks because there's a lot of things she says that you know it's some good information, it's some things that could be taken to heart, but then once she gets on a roll, and she, you start giving a little bit of props, it's you know then she then the train gets off the rails because then the attention kicks in, you know and that thirst for attention and and that applause and the ego really kicks in at that point, so therefore it's not even genuine when there is some actual knowledge that could actually benefit either side, no matter what. Yeah. When there's some actually good talking points, because the ego kicks in, it's like, "Oh, praise! I'm getting praise from somewhere." Even if the praise was down the street, around the corner, in a, and at a clan meeting, but she can't see who it is, you know, in that robe that's chanting her on or whatever. She just hears somebody like, "Yeah, hell yeah, Candace!" Because you, she's looking at a tweet with with a fake face on it, you know, and she's thinking like, "Yeah, uh huh, my followers." Like, girl, they're not following you. <laughs> they're not following you. Trust me, if you were set on fire, none of them will piss on you to put it out. So right. calm down exactly. okay calm down no never forget who you are at the end of the day especially for the audience that you're you're pandering to okay so and at the end of the day I and mean, that's not even about just race this is about people in general because more people are concerned about themselves so all these everything just about everything on social media it's an echo chamber like please let me find someone that's echoing the thoughts that i'm feeling so therefore, I can be justified in a way that I think, even she though... That are easy. You know, she does things that are
0: easy, such as she rips on Farrakhan, because white people don't like Farrakhan. So if she rips on him, that ultimately... That leads to currying favor, but what and the, what exactly is Farrakhan? I mean, look, I'm not saying anyone's perfect, but the message I hear from Farrakhan over and over again is: Black people need to be self-reliant. We need to make our own businesses. We need to stop asking white people for handouts and take charge of see, our See that? Own. See that's now, the part.
1: What, me and that? What's <laughs> being heard is white people. everything you just said right now and the only thing that that anyone that doesn't like him or they've been trained to not like him all they heard right now when you said it was white people see (laughs) he's racist see see you heard him he said white people i'm like yeah, he no, said. Hard, hard hard saying, he's, he's doing you a favor. He said, "Don't take handouts from white people." Come on, man. Is that not working in your favor? <laughs> it's like, come on. No, <laughs> I mean, the minority experience, even mine,
0: growing up, is white is best. White is better than everyone else, and if and you should aspire to be more like a white person, right? That's the message all of it's, us. It's are the standard.
1: It's the, the it's, you know it's the you know it is the European standard since for well over a millennia. Okay, when they started, when they started taking over lands and colonizing and going to all invading places and blah, blah. Come on, people don't even get upset. Just do history. Just look at history. You know, start with look at what England did. And, you know, even hell before them, you can go as far as just going with the Greeks and the Romans, you know. So just from the from the period of Charlemagne on up, you know, that that was what was implemented. And that's how, you know, you get in. If you want to take over, you got to let's just read the art of war here. That's what you do. You get inside the heads of your enemies and you get to the point where if you're really good at what you do, you get your enemy to hate themselves and want to take themselves out to save you time and resources from having to do it yourself. You know? And so it's, it's when it's, it's a war at this point where you're trying to dominate someone and take, take their land or whatever else. And it's a good strategy. If that's what you want to do, no matter who you are, you know, I'm not saying that other cultures have not done the same. It's just, Hey man, Europeans, they did it they they were much better at it okay so my thing is like instead of sitting there getting angry about it, it's like okay that stuff's already happened but what we're doing is like okay but moving forward you know how are we gonna are we gonna make the same mistakes over and over again are we gonna let people do the same thing over and over again so even when another thing when you were talking about just Farrakhan as soon as they hear the name because they've been trained so well by the media the first thing they're gonna think anti-semitism I was like, even right now, during this time, you know, for the past month or so, you know, you've got this conflict going on once again with Israel and Palestine. And then of course, everybody in the the world is choosing sides because the media is making them do so, you know, it's so funny. So I, in this, when I sit there and see people like, well, oh, if you know, I stand with Israel and if you don't, then, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's anti-Semitism like, no. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> no, what I see is some people have done some really effed up ish to us, to some people who were already there since right. 19, since 1947, but they were given the okay by the United Nations to say, and England, because England just like, look, man, here's the deal. Both of y'all are here, you know, Palestinians and, you know, and Israelis, you're both here on this land that we colonized. It's our we, we stole the shit first. Okay, we stole it first, and we gave you both permission to stay here. Now it's kind of like you know you got a slumlord, and he has like a two like he has a duplex in the worst neighborhood ever, and so you have one set of poor people over here, and then one person is kind of middle class, but you both are living. But one chose to stay in this place because it was economic economical, and they wanted you know not have high bills so they can kind of get some build some cash so they can you know get to something better where the other one they have no pretty much have no choice because of certain conditions lack of education yada 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 the next door neighbor so you but you're both living in this slummy ass place owned by the slum lord so now the slum lord after a while because the rats are infesting the place you got roaches you got all these the plumbing problems and all this other stuff going on after a while the slum lord decides you know what this is not even worth my time anymore so hey both of you guys here's the deal you both can both have your respective apartments. I'm, I'm not even going to charge you for it. You can just keep it. It's not even worth my time. Y'all just have to figure out how to get along. I'm out. Okay. So next thing you know, one side is saying like, oh, this whole apartment is mine now. Both of them, both duplexes are mine. Like, no, that's not what he said. Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and move some of my stuff in your apartment, buddy. Wait a minute. What are you doing? No, it's mine. And then every other day, they just keep adding more and more shit inside your apartment. You know, the, the one on that, that's a little poor. <laughs> then next thing you know, they've taken it over and now he's charging you rent. Like, dude, right. we were both tenants. Said, How are you charging me rent? It's not even yours. <laughs> you know, so, well, it's no. What are you going to fight me for it? And next thing you know, all their family members are popping up now. You got like all oh, six or seven people all stay in this place. And now they're, they're camping out in your place. Yeah, okay, you're well, like, oh, you're going to fight me for it? Yeah. You you bet your ass on me. Exactly. So, you come so into my
0: house <laughs> and tell me it's not my house. anymore. <laughs> and so that's what's so going me. on. <laughs> I'm not going to just roll over for that. Oh, okay. Exactly. Let me pack up real quick. No, I don't right.
1: think so. and See, <laughs> that's what's going on. That's, that's what's really going on over there. Yeah, and so, so but, but you, you got to choose a side. I'm like, look, man, and someone's trying to tell me like, okay, so there. um a friend of mine, sent me a clip of, I guess there was some Palestinian, you know, guys or whatever outside a restaurant in New York. And they were screaming like, you know, where are the Jews? We're We're here to kill some Jews or something like that, you know? So, so of course, you know, this being a media report, I'm already skeptical that they were saying that. And maybe they were. Okay. <laughs> right. Maybe they were, you know, but I also know that the media is there. Like I said, like uh, this dude, Madge Tory says, you know, the media is the, to my media, the M E D I A, the most effective devil in America is what media stands right. for, you right. know, so. So when I see this clip, you know, and I see them kind of screaming on some people at this Jewish outside, this kind of upscale Jewish like restaurant, or bar or whatever, and they're on, they're screaming at some customers on the patio, and they're kind of going at it. And so she's like, Oh, my God, this is so terrible. So much hate. I'm like, Yeah, I said, but at the same time, while you're watching this clip of these Palestinians, or Muslims, you know screaming at these Jewish patrons and you know you're thinking like oh my god you know there's so much hatred you know where's the clip of the Israelis bombing hospitals with children and all this you know they're 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 bombing left and right you know and just shooting missiles over walls just randomly at people over in Palestine why are you not showing that clip too I said so basically what you need to understand is hatred on both sides and it's long standing. This is worse than the Bloods and the Crips, the Hatfields and the McCoys. This has been going on for a long time. Most people at this point don't even know at this point how long they've been fighting, but again it's all about which land is who who owns what at the end of the day. You know, one just wants some dignity and be left alone and one just wants to dominate and just like, no, I need you up out here and they're all fighting over a strip of dust. Okay, which is the, the which is the funniest part to me. It's like, really? Yeah. All this there's killing and there's murder, there's murder there's for the last there's 70 there's years over a strip of dirt? Right,
0: And me, no resources whatsoever. It'd be like none. Be in the Mojave Desert over here.
1: I'm like, like so basically, and, and meanwhile, over in Egypt and Jordan and Lebanon, they're all just over there cracking up because they actually have all the resources that surround those areas that both pretty much need, except Israel's going to get resources from us. Because our tax paying dollars are going to pay and fund this ongoing conflict that has nothing to do with us. This is why people really need to listen to Ron Paul when he says like, we have our nose and too much shit. It has nothing to do with us all right. because a lot of people are, and this is going to offend a lot of people, but because a lot of people are looking at a book that is thousands of years old, but that was written, that was codified and just re just remixed by this dude in england king james you know to kind of pander it in the way that he needed to that says that that is that israel are the chosen people okay and so and on top of that you take in what went on with you know the holocaust and all that there's a there's a worldwide guilt that sometimes just like people look the other way because they don't want to seem like well i don't want to be anywhere compared to hitler or Pharaoh at this point. You know, some some of the so called worst people in the world, you know, in history. I don't wanna be because that's the first thing someone says, like, Oh my God, you're just like Hitler. You know, you you're against Israel. Like, no, I'm against people doing some fucked up shit to people, okay, and trying to get away with it and trying to use, you know, the death of other people, whatever, to just get away with anything. It's not cool, man. It's disrespectful for those who who died in the Holocaust that you yeah. would try to use that and, and flex like that and try to use that guilt on the world and feel and try to make the world seem like they owe you because of that situation. It's like, right. don't do that, man. It's like, don't treat people the way that your people were treated. If you thought the Holocaust was so bad, why are you, why are you, why are you moving and flexing like Hitler yourself? Okay. Right. Cause you're, you're trying to wipe out an entire culture. Hmm. That sounds very familiar when they sit there and say, we're going to keep bombing Palestine until they're quiet. Come on, dude. Are you serious right now? Who does that sound like? sounds like the same dude that, that pretty much slaughtered a lot of your own ancestors. So how are you, what's changing here? What's really going on? See, so when you sit there and approach it from a common sense stance like that, you know, and the fact that you're not choosing a team, it's just like, well, whose side are you on? Humanity. There. That's the culture I'm speaking for right here. I'm on the side of humanity. So at the end of the day, you know, all of this shit is for, it's, it's bullshit. You know, you're fighting over some dirt and who's paying the cost. Mostly a lot of instant lives, you know, so, well, these terrorists are the ones that are leading it for Palestine. Hamas. I'm like, you just think that's the, they're the only ones. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's easy for you to say, cause that helps you to justify why you can be against Palestine. When you right. say that, well, Hamas is the one leading us because they're a quote unquote terrorist group. I'm like, so you don't think that the Israeli military doing that to these people over all the time. And some of the stuff, they're just coming in and taking homes and all this. You don't think that's, you need to look up the definition of terrorism because that makes them terrorists. I mean, as well.
0: remember, remember in the first Matrix movie where the narrative of people like Morpheus and his team were that they're terrorists. Or these are terrorists. These are the most wanted people. <laughs> right? And they're, they're the ones that are trying to free everybody from this illusion that they're in. But the most effective way to prevent people from listening to them is to make is to <clears throat> call them terrorists convince people that they're terrorists those so buzzwords
1: you're, man you're not those Buzzwords.
0: Their, yeah you're not open to their message at all anymore i mean they, they do the same thing with farrakhan they go oh, he's anti-america he's a terrorist he's a foreign operative yeah foreign exactly <laughs> he used to get that when he was when he when he had relations with Gaddafi.
1: I mean, it's the same thing with like with Malcolm. I mean, they said the same thing, like he's a communist because just because you know he's right. having meetings right. with Castro, it's like, come on, these these are the type of people that can actually help broker your relationships with these people instead of making them your enemy, you know. Mm-hmm. So because again, they're not and there's a common ground here because the same thing that these people I mean, trust me, I am not in any way supporting Castro or anything he's done because come on, man. Again, another person that wasn't too far off. I mean, I always find it funny when I see now here's the flip side of that. Now, there are some people who are so pro against establishment that they do dumb things like they'll walk around with a Che Guevara shirt, especially black, especially black people. I think that's hilarious. Okay, that's like walking around with a Hitler T-shirt. I'm like, you know, he didn't like black people, right? (laughs) So, you know, or to see someone gay and black wearing a Che Guevara shirt, I'm like, dude, you know, he murdered folks like you, right? <laughs> it's like right, like he didn't think twice. In fact, he was more ruthless about it than Castro was. <laughs> okay, so I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and brother Shade, like, he ain't my brother. I'm like, no, he he was a fanatic as well. So, so you have these extremes on both sides, but no one is listening to the ones in the middle who are looking at both sides objectively and listening to both sides. Like, I hear you. I can hear someone. I can hear a Palestinian's point of view, and and see where they're coming from. I can listen to someone from Israel. I can hear their point of view and where they're coming from. I can also see the people who are sitting right in the middle, stoking the fucking fire, you know, like other governments. And as well as the media, which is pretty much almost controlled by these governments, you know, in social media and tech and all these people who are jumping in, I'm like, come on, man, don't people pay attention. You're being played. OK, and when you get emotional, it's easy to get played. And that's the thing. They want to stoke emotions. So therefore, they don't give you time to actually use rational thought. So you got to learn how to balance things out. It's cool. You can be passionate about something about a certain way, but you also have to be very logical about it as well. Cause right. Not Either or not be fully passionate, and not thinking or be fully thinking and not passionate. You got to find a way to be both. You got to like we were just talking about. before we start recording you got to figure out how to use that masculine and feminine energy together and not have one or the other you can't just eliminate one just prove a point that you're this that and the other you know because again it's going to make it very easy for you to be controlled yeah very easy to be controlled if you can't have a balanced thought where not so much as always trying to come up with a statement or an answer but come up with more questions you know okay why is this happening this way why are they like this why has this been going on for 70 years who's what let's get to the source of these things because you know what most people don't want to do that because that takes a little time and effort and it's not lazy to do that it's very lazy to go oh man to my Palestinians they're terrorists they're Muslims and they're terrorists and don't forget 9-11 okay first of all what (laughs) (laughs) hold on man (laughs) And then, oh no, it's the Jews, it's the Zionists. Come on, man. They, you know, it's it's a whole global thing. It's them and and the New World Order. Whoa, whoa. what? <laughs> okay, where where are you getting that from? Come on, man. Somebody, if you, know, if you if you're on the side of Israel, you're a Zionist. Like, oh my God, you make my head hurt. <laughs> it's like, geez, please don't procreate. Don't make another one of you. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because don't don't justify eugenics. Okay, when you make stupid statements like that. <laughs> so, oh man.
0: Yeah, it's funny that this this whole Palestine-Israel conflict. There's two people at the dog park, right? One guy is from Afghanistan. I'm friends with both guys. They're both good guys. Mm-hmm. One guy's from Afghanistan, so he has the pro-Palestine type viewpoint. Mm-hmm. That's where he's coming from. But he's not. He's not. I mean, he's well-reasoned just like you are. He's well-reasoned because he explained it to me and he explained basically the same thing you just said because I wasn't that, I mean, I'm familiar with the conflict, obviously. I grew up in the 80s and it was going on even then and way before that. But I wasn't that familiar on the origins of everything. So he broke that down for me. I go, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I see where you're coming from. Now, the other guy who I'm also friends with, older gentleman, he's Jewish by birth. He's not a practicing Jew, but he goes to Israel all the time. So he's clearly pro-Israel. And those two got into a really heated argument over it. Oh because gosh. he, I mean, and it was mainly the guy, my friend Alan, from, who goes to Israel all the time, it was the, so the pro-Israel stance, he, mm-hmm. he was just apoplectic that someone could even be pro-Palestine or even try to sympathize. No so nuance in this whole thing I go, look, right. here's what's going on here. It's not as simple as the way you're laying it out. And they got into a heated argument. And I go, see, this is the problem right here. It's like you guys can't even have a conversation. You can't even right. talk about this you just have to immediately the fact that you get angry so quickly, just have a fucking conversation, man. We're at the dog park, right? We don't, we don't have to (laughs) to disagree with each other.
1: Right. Right. So yeah, man. So it's, it's so funny because a lot of times, I don't know, I can, there's times I can actually appreciate like social media. Like when someone, I, I guess when you put yourself out there in a certain way, People kind yeah. of know how to come at you. That's one thing that you and I are good about. People know not to usually come at us with some sideways bullshit, or if they do and they get a response from us, which is logical, they pretty much know to expect that. And then they know it's going to be like, okay, think, especially when you come to me, you're going to have to be able to think. And so it's not going to just be me jumping on the side, or you're not just going to get a hell yell yeah for me or no, I'm just like, if I feel, if I agree with you or disagree with you, I, I'm going to te- tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. So it's just not as easy as yes or no, or yeah, I agree or I disagree. It's like, mm-mm. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, here's, here's what I see in this situation now, maybe because this, that, and the other, or it could be this, that, and the other. So I don't know. It's like, what do we really know? And so <laughs> basically putting them in a position where they got to freaking ask questions themselves or they can just go be idiots, but they can realize like, okay, they can feel really stupid for the fact like they were being very emotional about it and had nothing. It was based on not a damn thing. And now that has just been <laughs> exacerbated by coming at me with that. <laughs> Cause now they're like, damn, now I look like an idiot in front of him. Mm, this is not the first time, but go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so you know, so the one thing about this whole thing is when someone now to the point where they're like, hey, what do you think about this? Instead of just saying, did you see this shit? And blah, blah, blah It's like, hey, man, what do you think about this? I want to get right. your take on this. And so, okay. Like, you come at me like that. If I feel, if I'm in the mood, if I have time, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, I haven't had my nap today. Why not? So I go ahead and I'm like, hey, here's my thoughts on this. But trust me, I'm not just going to give you some. I'm going to give you some facts. <laughs> I'm going to pull up the facts and I'm going to give you some sort resources if I feel it, feel it necessary. And then hopefully it'll help them not look like an idiot when they talk to someone in a situation like your friends at the, at the dog park, you know? So if they have someone coming they're like, nah, yeah, you no, know, the facts, know, by the
0: dog park reminds me of, I go, you know what? Everyone gets along when everyone's agreeable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome Hi, to them. <laughs> But Alan always talks to me. He goes, Yeah, you're totally unfiltered. He goes, He goes, when you were really sick with that flu in 2019, he goes, You were even more unfiltered because I, I had no tolerance. I was like, Look, I feel like someone said something dumb. I'm, I'm not even going to try to be diplomatic about it. I'm <laughs> dumb at
1: My Mike is like, Look, man, I feel like I'm on my deathbed right now. So the last thing I want to do is have some fucking regrets. <laughs> my, you yeah, know, I, was, I, w- I wish I would have said this before yeah, I died from this shit to that motherfucker at the dog park.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> is, now, even- I, one time I told Alan, I was I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to be an asshole in my line of work, and he he goes, that must come easy to you. <laughs> <laughs> I go, as a matter of fact, it does, the it most does. but with, with disrespect, you think I'm gonna retort with politeness? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a polite guy, I'm a cool guy to everyone I meet, I'm polite, hey, I'm, I'm friendly. But someone comes at if someone thinks hey, they come at me in a disrespectful manner, I'm going to set them straight real fast. Just, I don't even have to think about it. It's just going to happen. Exactly.
1: It. Well, that's the first sign of intelligence. Like we don't have to sit, yeah. we just whip shit out. Like they're like, whoa, did you just say it? yes? I did. <laughs> so, to my, well, excuse me. Well, allow me to retort. <laughs> You're Samuel Jackson on.
0: Or when some fat guy tries to say something, shut the fuck up, fat man. man yeah. <laughs> That's that's one of those lines I've always wanted to use. I've always wanted to come across <laughs> a rude bad guy. Because I would never say anything negative about someone who's overweight, he's a cool person. But if someone's rude and they happen right. to be overweight to too, it's like that that's a gift.
1: Right? Like, it's like, Oh, I've been waiting for the day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man. Oh, oh the other man. funny thing that happened at Red Rock, this is it was I went downstairs to get some tea for Carol and I came back up and fucking uh this this Karen gets I mean she's right there waiting for the elevator, right? She sees me walking towards it and she, she couldn't shut that door fast enough. <laughs> and, uh, she she she's and,
1: and, just punching the, the, the floor number.
0: I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. And then she uh she didn't have a mask. I mean if she had a mask on, I would have assumed, okay, maybe she's one of these phobia, because I'm not wearing a right. mask. She's just phobia has a phobia about that but no this this was clearly racial and i don't know what ethnicity she thought it was i'm, I'm assuming she's, she's, she's <laughs> like oh this,
1: this brown this brown man with his straight his perm is trying to get on the elevator with me
0: <laughs> i mean i have a tank top on i'm all muscular like, she's like, like oh
1: no no not today and <laughs> not me <laughs> oh man people are hilarious <laughs>
0: yeah so you know i deal with hold on a second let me tell let me tell i thought i turned off because i get i have my phone connected to my computer so the text come through here and i thought i shut off okay so she's she's gonna go see dr garcia soon so she was asking me some questions about that but uh yeah man uh the funny thing about, well, as we were talking a little bit earlier, I remember you, you bring up, when you, when you and I did my YouTube show and you were talking about the importance of Black people supporting Black-owned businesses, being a Black-owned business owner and supporting other Black businesses. Right. Now, when I tell that to white people, it's amazing how defensive they get, even though that's what they've been doing their entire lives with their own people. <laughs> you know? right. Because look, we all live out here in the suburb of Seven Hills. Now, this is probably 99% white probably 99% of every business owned out here is owned by white people. So you're supporting other white people, white owned business owners without even thinking about it because that's just what you're used to. Now, when someone says we need to start our own businesses and support our own, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's racist. Why you got? Why do you got to support just black-owned businesses? What about any business? That's a luxury. That's a white privilege statement to make. Of course, now, that's the luxury to say that because that's what you're used to. And I checked. Actually, it was my same friend Alan, and he brought that up. I was talking about this, and then he goes, "Oh, I don't care about." the ethnicity of the owner. I I care about the service. I was like, yeah, because you're an old white man, (laughs) you know, you don't have to wait. That's a luxury you have. You don't have to think about it.
1: (laughs) Right. So probably for every one, you know, person from another culture's business that you come across, you can, for that same service, you can come across about a hundred to 200, you know, someone that looks like you that has the same thing, you know? So yeah, it's it's very easy to say that. And usually there's either, like so there's a disconnect or it's like, or they are really practicing their privilege, you know? So a lot of times instead of just having a comment and say, Oh, I will ask why, you know, you know, why is that so important? Like, you know, what am I missing when they say support black, black businesses, help, you know, educate me on this. Cause obviously, you know, I, I just figure like, you know, why not just support a good business? You know, why not say that instead of just like, well, no, why not just, you know, just support them all. You know, what's so funny, you know, again, we always liken that to the whole, you know, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. You know, what's funny though, <laughs> you, know what you, you know what you didn't hear a couple months ago when it's like stop Asian hate. No one said no stop all hate. We didn't yeah. hear that from yeah. the same people that said oh, yeah. Lives that Matter. Where were they? Yeah, where where it's were they? <laughs> where where were they? Hmm. Well, anyone? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> it's like come on, man. So that right there says a lot. That says a lot. <laughs> so, I mean it's interesting again when you sit and you just be quiet and observe you'll notice these things like huh i don't see not one well, hashtag even on twitter
0: called, asian hate was such a virtue signaling event and oh, what i mean is it was everyone felt obligated to post their little meme stop asian hates i'm against this i was like look you don't really give a fuck about that at all you just want to come off like you do <laughs> because right. that makes you feel more important but what are you actually
1: doing to help anyone other than? Exactly. No, I pay. Hey, look, I changed my profile photo and I put that on my profile <laughs> photo. That's that right there is going to stop it today. You know, some some somebody that's going to go out and try to hurt someone as Asian is going to see my profile picture and see it, right. and they're going to like, you know, what? I changed my mind because I saw <laughs> I saw Jack I saw Jackass oh two five six on YouTube's profile photo. Says stop, it, and I stopped it.
0: Like, yeah, I was about to beat up this Asian guy until I saw, until, until I checked my Instagram. <laughs> I saw a couple of memes you know, pop up and I go, you know what, maybe I shouldn't get engaged in this kind of behavior. <laughs> it's like, is all this social media stuff, is that actually stopping any hate period? No, it's not.
1: No, come on, but we're getting the message out there, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, why wasn't the message getting out there in their household growing up in the first place? So you're basically saying that, you know, social media is a much better parent than their own parents, or I don't know, just actual human beings in the real world. <laughs> it's like, so that's what we have to do now. We have to virtually, you know, be told, you know, how to be a good human being and to remain that way. So what happens when they don't have access to Wi-Fi and they can't get log on anymore? Is during that time that they go back to being a bad human being. Or do we constantly have to keep them wired and logged on? to to show them the way to be a good human. Like, what does that even mean? You know, so no, again, you're just, you're making it anytime you're posting all that, I don't care who you are. You can justify it all you want. When you post things like that between stop, you know, stop Asian hate, or I stand with so-and-so. I stand with Palestine. I stand with Israel, blah, blah, blah. You're not even giving a shit about any of those causes. You're all about yourself. You stand with yourself. Look at me. I support them and fuck you. Okay. That's what you're basically saying. I'm better than you because look, here's my stance. Cause I know I'm right. I am on the right side of all this because I said so. And because this social media platform provided me with a profile photo frame that gave me the right to say so. Because you, if you notice those same social media platforms, rarely do they have the, I stand for whoever on the opposite side, <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's that right. That should tell you everything you need to know how you being been manipulated into oh, yeah. a certain way and behave in a certain way. You know, so my thing is like, okay, again, what are you doing besides posting? What do you physically, what are you actively, what are you going out and doing? Are you going to community? Or are you actually going out and talking to people who are being, right. I don't know, affected directly by this? How many, how many, I stand with Israel people have actually, actually sat down and talked to a Palestinian. Right. Okay. How many, hardcore Muslims and have you ever sat down and talked to someone of the Jewish faith you know with family in Jerusalem I mean in Israel and ask them hey man like how does this affect like what, what what am I missing before I get really pissed off you know like am I being misguided here or what you know so how many people who are not black as she said who love them some police okay and who are very well protected by them who can just call and just say hey whatever and they will show up in your neighborhood in five five minutes you know how many of you actually like okay so what why are y'all so angry with the police like i get okay but why it's my look up it's like why is there such a problem between you and the police and why are you running and why are these issues happening where they're shooting you <laughs> like okay so you do realize this is not a new phenomenon right you know this has been going on since i don't know Slavery, and <laughs> when when the police were formed as slave patrols, yeah, do your history, you know. So this is like it's a culture thing. Well, no, but there are black cops. I don't understand. What are you talking about? You know what about them? I was like, well, have you talked to a black cop? Ask him why he joined the police force. Hope <laughs> honestly, you know, yeah. most likely they'll say I got in it because I got tired of seeing the brutality. You know that went on in my neighborhood growing up by non-black police, and also I felt like if I got on force, that since I would much I'd be more effective to go back and help and and help protect the neighborhood that I grew up in. Only to find out they weren't they weren't allowed to go patrol in those neighborhoods because you know the powers that be felt like well you know the people there and you might let them off you know on some things and look the other way, or it would be too much of a conflict because. You know, these people might try to target you and your family since they know you. So we're going to, we're doing this for your own good. And we're going to send our guys over there who have no idea of the culture of that community whatsoever and really don't know how to navigate around there. And just, they're basically just going around being an intimidating force instead of being someone that's trying to work with that community to make it better. You know, so ask them, no, so actually talk to a black cop and ask him why he got on the force. And, and hopefully he tells you the truth. You know, or if one just says like, hey man, <laughs> these, these, thugs and whatever else and I maybe used to whoop my ass all the time like so I'm just making sure that'll never happen again well thank you for your honesty <laughs> you know appreciate that you know what can what can you say at that point but again instead of just assuming and, and, and taking your stance from a point of view that is that's not even affected by it ask the right questions instead of giving your dumb ass one-sided answer it's it's a, a dumbass answer because you haven't even researched why you say what you're saying. You're you're in an echo chamber. It sounds good because everyone around you is saying the same thing and you don't want to stand out. You don't want to question it when, around that group of people, whatever, because a lot of people are very uncomfortable being the contrarian because it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to end up being alone. They're not going to talk to me. Fuck them. OK, good. You know, go find some actually logical fucking people to be around then. I don't want to be around a bunch of yes people. And this is the only way we think people, my way or the highway people. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> yeah. let me, yeah. let me, limit my view of the world. Hell no, it's too much out here to see, too many things to discover, to even be around people like that. So risk being alone for a little while while you discover <laughs> the truth. And in fact, you should do that every day. You should find time to be alone anyway. Most people can't be alone by themselves just on a regular day. Let, let alone when there's actually a cause or an event where right. they might end up standing out. Like just try it just in your everyday life, just like well just just be by yourself with your thoughts. And if you can't do that, then well you're very you're gonna be very easy to manipulate.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Because you're not gonna 100%. question anything. Because you don't want you're just gonna try to be a people pleaser. You're going to just say whatever to get along.
0: Not be alone that you're willing to compromise whatever you believe in just to be accepted by the group, to have people around, to have that group solidarity. Right. And that's extremely tenuous. That's very dangerous. I think one of the big problems I see is that people don't want to have conversations with each other like you brought up. And the other day I was at, again, walking by the dog park, and I was actually happy to see this. I saw a group of women sitting together. They had some chairs, they were in a circle. And from afar, it looked like it was just a bunch of Muslim women because I saw a few ladies with hijabs on. And Mm -hmm. as I got closer, I realized it was one lady with a hijab on who was actually white, one lady with a hijab on who's actually Middle Eastern, one lady with a hijab on that. I'm not sure what her ethnicity was. I didn't get a close look, but I don't think she was white or Middle Eastern. And then it was a bunch of women without hijabs on. I go, now Mm -hmm. this is good. This is good because this is a variety of women with clearly different backgrounds that are all hanging out having a conversation now i don't know what they're talking about for all i know they could have been talking about reality tv (laughs) (laughs) i like to think it was something more (laughs) profound because i walked by
1: (laughs) hey man they're talking about the final the 20th and final season of the kardashians i mean let's 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 be honest i mean that show is
0: still on i didn't realize that show was still (laughs) on
1: supposedly this is the last season 20 years later (laughs) so Well, 20 seasons later but i'm like but here's the glue that sh- that show could have been the glue that brought all those women together because in that family, you know, you got Armenians, so you've got that Middle Eastern connection right there, okay, and that Muslim connection, you know, and Turkey's right next door, and they were part of the Holocaust with the Armenians, and then you've got the rest of the family that's white. OK, so this could have been the glue that brought the Kardashians could have brought all these women together. And they found you know some what, all, all, all,
0: basically everybody in that household is white in terms of their mentality. Thank you. you <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> That's the real of course. problem. I like, look, you know, Indian girls who grew up in India. Right. So they're American. They're Indians that are American. They're mm-hmm. white girls. Their energy is like a white girl. If you talk to them on the phone, they sound like a white girl. They're white yeah. girls Even with other Asian <laughs> girls. They grew up in America. They're American Asian. They're white girls. <laughs>
1: the, the, the first generation. So you know, it's like, so, yeah. <laughs> Somebody just like, like even in African households, like when you get that first and second generation African that's that been here in America the whole time, you're in America now, buddy. <laughs> you know, you, you're, I know it's like there are some households they try to make you hold on to the tradition. But I'm like, by the time you get to the second and third generation, it's kind of fading away at this time. Right. So right. It's, right. It's, I mean, but it's just, it's just, it's, it happens naturally. You know, it's not like there's something you might have chosen to do. It just happens that way. I mean, it's well, just it's like just, someone, it's, it's like someone that goes to another, it's, it's just like this. If you, if it's just that like you were born in the United States and then you move to fricking Ireland when you're eight years old, you know, pretty soon that accent starts to kind of seep its way into your accent. Okay. Even if you were born in freaking Texas, now you just got a Southern Irish twang. (laughs) Okay. It's kind of weird, you know, but Hey, it's very interesting to say the least, you know, so you can even, I think they were kind of one of those guys uh, from, you know, I remember one of my oldest nieces like she used to listen to one direction. And I think recently, like in the Brit awards, one of those guys, he's been solo now like Harry Styles or whatever. And basically this dude was catching hell online because when he was giving his acceptance speech, you know, pretty much his British accent is gone now. And so a lot of the Brits were tearing him apart because now he pretty much sounds like an American. <laughs> so I was like, it's just hilarious how people do that, man. But I'm just like, you got to look at the environment. I'm like, yeah. I'm like now, and if you're Madonna, you're an idiot just because, you know, during the time she was married to Guy Ritchie, she lived in England. All of a sudden, Madonna started having this British accent. I was like, okay, stop. You're from fricking Michigan. Cut it out. Can you imagine Ken Blackburn, you know, spending about 10 years in England, all of a sudden he's having a British accent. He's sound like Rannick all of a sudden.
0: That would, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. well, because what would be so awesome is that certain words he would break character because he wouldn't be able to say <laughs> it. You know? He'd be like, phenomenal. Like he would be talking in a British accent, and then certain words he would repeat. I, back. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be great. <laughs> but see, I mean, what people don't realize is the reason why these mm-hmm. Indian girls, Asian girls, wide variety of different, and, I'm not, and, and not just the girls, the guys too. The reason why they act and sound white is because of what I said initially. Everything and, and is, culture. yeah, everything we're taught is white is best in America. So you got to be like white people if you want to be considered at a high level if you want to be accepted by white people be more like white people and if white people, more opportunities often, often, yeah white people often they, they don't say it emphatically but they're thinking it i can feel it is what they're thinking is why can't other ethnicities be more like us like why well can't they will be more like us
1: hey look i've heard i've heard them say hey you're in america you gotta speak american that's not about there's some there's some subtext to that people Right. Okay. It goes a little deeper when you hear that. It's not exactly what you see on the surface. Okay. You got to go a little deeper with that. Even when I hear like, you know, we got these traditional American values. Come on. You can't say that. (laughs) Don't say that. That's not very welcoming to another culture. Cause like, if you look at history, you know, we look at those values. Well, look at what our forefathers, you know, they fought England to do this. Then I say, yeah, but in turn, look how they treated their slaves. Look how they treated other people, you know, look how they treated the Native Americans in the process of fighting against the, they were supporting and upholding the very thing they were fighting against, which was a very light version of it, you know, from England compared to what they were doing here to those who were already here. Okay. So let's not use that as the litmus test of like what it really means, you know, to be American at this point. Okay. So what, okay. Yeah. Somebody it's happened. It, it You know, and here we are somewhat, a little bit evolved from freaking everything that happened 200, 300, 400 years ago. Yet we're still dealing with a lot of those things that were the very, the, which is very, very much the, the background of what was going on 400 years ago. We're still dealing with that. So how far have we evolved? We've been able to hide these issues a little better. We get to dress them up a little better now instead of putting wigs and coats and all these other things on it. You know, now we can just call it, you know, we can put a degree on a wall, you know, in its place now, you know, or put certain letters behind our names now, you know, by put ourselves in certain neighborhoods, you know, and, and, you know, put yourself in certain groups and clubs. It, well, that hasn't changed. It's no different than it was 400 years ago, 500 years ago, you know, so it's still there. And even if you were to, there's this thing about, well, by 2040, you know, the majority of America is going to be, you know, mixed and pretty much they're showing like, there was this cover of Time Magazine, where they're pretty much showing beige people, okay, at this point, because all these cultures now in America are now mixing together for the most part, okay? Yeah, so here's the thing, even if everyone's starting to match each other, now you're going to end up having a classical, let's just say Indian way of life. When it comes to a social order, because now you 've gone from race to a caste system, yeah, and yeah. we're slowly but surely moving there when you start looking at the digital divide and when I say the yeah. digital divide it's like people who have access to the digital world, you know where it comes to resources, education, even financial because we're moving more and more and a lot faster thanks to this pandemic to a digital currency system which is going to really separate people and really create a caste system so it won't even matter what your color is and what your background is it's really going to come down so we're really about to get down to a caste system whether we like it or not you already talked about they're getting rid of the middle class well actually they're not necessarily getting rid of it they're just pretty much redistributing it they're relocating the middle class okay so basically that middle is just going to be devoid of anything it's just going to be this big blank space because there's going to be more people to the left and to the right of that space and not necessarily maintaining the middle of it anymore. Right. So, and that's really gonna come down to who has access and, and that pretty much, yeah, it's not even gonna be just black, white, or Latino and white or whatever. That's gonna come down to who had the resource and education and, and the wherewithal to actually be interested enough into learning this game of finances and capitalism or whatever and make and do better for themselves. Or who's just going to sit there and like, oh, look, I, I went to school all these years. I got this degree. I should be able to get a job for this, that, and the other. That that thinking right there is already going to put a certain person on the wrong side of this digital divide. Because you've already bought into a, and again, it's not shitting on work and jobs. Because my thing is to become an owner and a CEO. Sometimes, you, you know, you're going to start, you got to work somewhere sometimes. And a lot of us are not born with a silver spoon in our mouths. Okay, but at the same time, if that's your end game, like we were talking about earlier, whereas you know you bought into the whole idea of working 40 years and only to retire 65, thinking that's when your life is going to become fun, okay, so you say you're saying you're going to sacrifice 40 years of misery and then you're going to have fun when you're 65. How? Because you don't know how to have fun. You've because just by saying that you already said that you don't know how to have fun. He's like, yeah, you know, then I'll retire and then then we'll start having fun. OK, you can't start something you have no idea what it looks like because right. you you are not practicing that now. Like, why are you not having fun now with your life, yeah. even while you're working for, you know, 40 years or for 40 hours or whatever? How are you still not having fun? Even if you're working 40 hours a week, that's still a whole lot of extra hours you got going on, man. You know, so I, I don't understand what that means when you have another 128 hours in your life each week. And you but you can say, Oh, I'm gonna have fun when I'm sixty-five. Show me a retiree. How many retirees really who've been working for forty and fifty years and when they finally retire at sixty five or actually seventy, to be honest, how many of them are actually in a position to have fun? I mean their bodies are beaten. A lot of them their bodies are beaten down because they've been working hard for all those years. Yeah. They're probably they're probably not that great with money. They're actually depending on a pension, which those are gonna those are disappearing. Those are gonna be gone, especially after this pandemic. You know, so there's that for all those who think about having fun at 65 at this point. And then again, you know, they have the 401k or whatever else. But again, how are they going to have fun? Do they even know what fun looks like? And my thing is, when they go, th- what makes them think that that amount of retirement? And I'm not, I'm not going to sit and say everyone's in this situation. There's some people that are actually smart with their money, even if they are working 40 years. You know, but but most likely, someone around them gave them a good education on finances for them to do that so they're they're anomalies but everyone else in general that pretty much bought into this whole quote-unquote american dream i don't understand how that even falls into the american dream what what's what's so dreamy about that you know work really hard bust your ass 40 years 40 hours a week then retire at 65 and live your life Bitch, I'm on my way think- out. I'm on my way out. I'm 65. I'm on my way out. What do you mean, live my life? Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> so, don't think, I don't think anyone finds it
0: appealing, but they feel like that's the only option. Like this is going to be your life. This is what you do. Yeah, it's been sold to them that it's way. You, know? you just do a job you don't like. Like, look, I think Schwarzenegger gave a lecture one time where he said 75% of people are they either hate their job or are dissatisfied with their job, but very few, but a very small percentage of people actually love what they do. In fact, right. when you tell somebody. It's like, yeah, I love what I do for a living. I mean, I say that all the time because I do. Right. I mean, what, what I do is exactly what I always wanted to do. And every day I wake up and the kind of things I'm researching, those are things I would do if I, if I weren't getting paid to do it. Right. This, this is what I'm interested in, being in the fitness industry, all the different things I've done in the fitness industry. Those are all interests of mine. And what I do now is an interest of mine. <clears throat> so I can say that genuinely. And also, you play this game smart. Like you said, you can create a great lifestyle where you work around living, not live around working. that's the difference. That's, That's my life. I wake up every, most days I wake up, I decide when I wake up and I decide what I'm gonna do that day. And then I get work. And then when it's convenient for me, I get some work done, right? Now this sounds ridiculous to the average person because their life is the exact opposite but that's because they bought into that. Look, I was sold the same bill of goods. My parents. Exactly. Don't get it
1: twisted. Yeah, We both, we bad. both yeah. were in that boat, you know, but yeah. we, we woke up like, mm. and there was always something that kind of nagged me like this can't be it because I hear y'all, but I also see you when it came to my parents. I hear what yeah. you're saying. I get it. So I get it. You don't want me to be a lazy fuck. I get that. I can appreciate that. Yeah. But at the same time, I you know, yes, we had a good life as far as love in the household and all that. That was beautiful. But at the same time, I didn't really get to see them have that much fun. You right. know, really go out and live, live their life, you yeah. know? you know. Yeah. So that's the thing. They, they got by. And I'm like, getting by, it's got to be something better than just getting by. And <laughs> guess what? They said the same thing. Like, we don't want... That's what you hear your parents say. I don't want you to have to go through what I went through. Now, I got a little problem with that, too, to a certain extent. You know, something because now... Here's the thing about that. When one generation tells their children, I don't want you to have to struggle like I did. Okay. So they, they take off about 10, 20% of the struggle. And so then that same, those same kids become adults. And they say the same thing that their parents said, they tell their kids, I don't want you to have to struggle and go through what I went through, which they, so they shave off another 10, 20% of the struggle. Okay. So now we're about 40% of the struggle gone now, thanks to two generations here. And then and it happens again and again, next thing you know, five generations later the struggle is gone 100 percent, and so it's just stupid to even say that i don't want you to have to go through what i went through. you didn't go through shit what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> everything was handed to you <laughs> like, I'm like i'm doing the math here bro <laughs> okay so from the 1950s all the way to the 2020s here you're good pop okay so
0: See, oh my my perspective is a little bit different just because my dad had a good job growing up and we weren't super wealthy, but we definitely lived in a nice neighborhood and it was safe and all that. So yeah. I, I, so it wasn't so much, first of all, he never told me that he didn't want me to go through what he went through because it's, <laughs> that's, that's just not the kind of thing he would ever say. You know? right. But I don't even know what he went through. You know? <laughs> he's, 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 he's very emotionally guarded. So I don't know a lot about what goes on in his head. He's just that kind of dad. But, well, but what, I, what I looked at him, I would notice that he would come back from work at the end of every day, and he was always in a bad mood. He was always really irritated. He's always snapping at my mom. Mm-hmm. It's it, it just their relationship was – I knew that I, I didn't want to have a relationship like what they have, not at all, right. not one where there isn't those, those principles I talk about, love, affection, respect, desire. Mm -hmm. Those are crucial, and and I'm not sure if any of those were there, so I didn't have an example of that. But it it was more of an example of what I don't want. Here's what I don't want in whatever relationship I'm going to be in, and also when it comes to my profession, I don't want to be someone who comes home irritated every day after working miserable, snapping at people, you can't talk to anyone. It's like, oh, just leave him alone for two hours, he just got back from work. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't, I don't want that. So, yeah, so other people will be like, yeah, he's making a good living, and you should aspire to be like that. I was like, look, I can make a good living and not have that lifestyle. <laughs> it doesn't have to be one or the other. People often right. think if you follow your passion, you're going to be broke. You're going to be some starving artist. And for some people, that's true. But it's not because of the opportunities because they don't, they don't know how to they play. They a plan. The game. They didn't have a plan. Yeah, they, don't play, they don't know how to play the game. This is a game, chess you know, game. You got to have a strategy. You got to know how to play this game.
1: It's a long you know, game too. You
0: can rewrite all of the rules, all these stupid ass rules that we've been given by people on how to be successful or how to live your life. I mean, a lot of that stuff is nonsense. <laughs>
1: you know? exactly. My thing is when you hear that, look at the source when you hear these things. Okay. So when someone's like, you know, oh, you know what? You can't just sit here and, and just, you know, try to sit there and make a living off your hobby. Somebody you'll never get rich that way. And you look like, okay, I see that you didn't. And are you wealthy? <laughs> you well, know, you know I, didn't and I didn't say rich I didn't say rich I said wealthy so that was the thing even our language is different I'm like, you can't get rich from doing that I'm like yeah but I'm wealthy from it well <laughs> what's the difference oh I wake up when I want to I pretty yep. much can I can take time off you know. if I need to if I need yep. to give myself a raise I can give myself a raise I don't have to wait for permission to get a raise so I'm like that's wealth you know wealth is freedom okay <laughs> to my people rich they're not free they have a whole slew of things you know everything's everything's just so many more conditions when you're rich and the thing is and if you don't abide by those conditions you lose it all i'm like look dude even if i don't have the amount of money or or assets or whatever i have now somebody like, you take those away i'm still wealthy because my mindset bro somebody like, because right. the thing is i know how to get it back i know how to do it yeah. again I know how to. Get, I don't have to sit there, and like, go fill out an application and try to get another job. Blah blah. It's like, no, I know how to. I, okay, the systems were in place. I figured out the systems. I know the this. I know what it takes to do it again. Yeah, it may take a little time, and then again, it may be I may get back even faster this right. time around because I've learned how to be efficient during this time. I looked at you know all the bumps in the road along the way the last time. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to do that again. That wasn't necessary. And so that's the thing. So no difference between being rich and wealthy. And then again, like I said, look at the source who's giving you all this advice. And you ask yourself, it's just kind of like, it's like going to college and they tell you, you know, you get a business degree, you got to take all these business classes. So I'm looking at these professors, like how many successful businesses have you run? (laughs) You know, so who are you to actually be talking about, you know, what it takes to make it in business and be successful in business besides regurgitating some other stuff that someone's told you about, because what businesses have you failed at and succeeded at? I'll take I need, I need both. I don't yeah. want to just hear all, I don't want to just hear all the good stories. If you have, have <laughs> successful business. I want to hear when you've been on your ass and you were doubting yourself. You're like, fuck this. I'm getting a job. I want to hear those stories too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I've been
0: there. So I have those stories. Exactly. So I'm I've, like, been there. I've been there. I, I, I get it completely. You know, one thing about, I actually put up this clip on Instagram. It's on my YouTube channel. One, one of my little rants where I talk about all successful people have one thing in common and that's betting on themselves. And yep. when I, when I, after I finished recording that clip, it made me think of you quite a bit because you're a really good example of someone who has bet on himself many times. And what I mean by that is I, I, I know you well enough to know that you've been in many different industries and you've performed really well in every single one of those industries, even though they're all completely different to, on, on a superficial way than right, others. We're talking about music industry, DJ, fitness guy, firearm instructor, now getting into investing in stocks and all that. You're really good at all of those things because you bet on yourself. You you have this inherent notion of yourself that, hey, I can learn these new skills. You're not intimidated by not having knowledge about something. In other words, you have bet on yourself enough times going, I can get into a completely new industry and thrive. I don't have any fear about that. And that's that's a rare skill because very few people have that. Some people are really good at that. They're really successful in one industry and they're thinking, man, I don't want to start at zero again. If, If I do something else, then... I, I'm just starting from the, the starting point again.
1: Right. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's funny because just yesterday um, I was training with a student. That's why, you know, we recorded this episode on a different day than we normally right. do. You know, I already booked a student or whatever, because I thought, you know, we'd have that week off and he, he's an older gentleman. He's from Brazil. And, you know, when it comes to self-protection and owning firearms, you know, he has a different experience in Brazil. Okay. Usually, the majority of people don't have firearms. And if they do what they do, what the government does there, they make it to where they price ammunition so high that people can't afford to buy the ammunition. So imagine, you know, having the privilege of driving a car. But once. But the thing is, they price gas so high that you can't drive your car. So what's the point of even having one? And which is the point? That's what they want. So it's just funny. So there's a guy that's never even touched a handgun in his life. You know, basically, well, I take that back. He touched one once right before he left, you know, left Brazil because of one of his family members. Once they, they lessened the law where they could actually own handguns. You know, one of his um, family members went out and bought like, a, like just, I think a Glock 42, which is a 380. Basically the law is you couldn't have anything higher than I think a 32 caliber in Brazil. You know, which It's almost like having a 22. It's almost like you really, the damage is a lot minimal at that point, unless you really are a good shot and your shot placement is great, you know, but as far as being just a little more lethal, you know, a little faster. Yeah, they're making it hard to be in that position. So, but other than that, he's really never touched the handgun. So I said, look, man, here's the thing. I guarantee you before we're done today, you're going to be a good shot. He's like, I don't know. He's, of course he was a little nervous. And you know, there's one thing about anytime I have a new student, or whatever, we always go through what I call the Tinder, the Tinder app moment, meaning they don't know me from Adam. I don't know them. So there's this is a little, you know, this little first date situation going on. You know, where you just, you know, first, and you're in a very intimidating environment, you're in a gun range, you know, you got all kinds of shooting going on around you, you know, other people you like shooting, there's guns everywhere. There's these quote unquote lethal weapons there, you know, so people get hurt. So, you know, there's this whole, this thing about respecting that thing that's going on as well and you so of course you start second guessing yourself a lot where you think like okay i don't want to mess up because i don't want to get hurt or well, i don't want to hurt anybody so and that's usually how people end up getting hurt and hurting other people when you're so worried about that because that's what you're focused on so there's this whole tinder app moment going on where you know just trying to trying to feel each other out and just like you're not feeling each other but feel each other out and try to you know just get get a, kind of gauge where the person is so
0: try to, try to feel each other out so that you can actually Feel each other out. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, to feel each other. It's like look, look, let's feel each other out and then we'll <laughs> feel each other out.
1: No, that's for actual t- that's for actual tender dates, people. Okay. So, not this situation. So yeah, so you're kind of going through that and so you're kind of observing their behavior and you so i you know i like to brief them over the gun safe you know the four rules of gun safety and then i brief them over you know pretty much the protocols for a shooting as far as my instruction is concerned and then i'm just trying to really you know you know get some conversation going before that just kind of get them to relax and you know and just kind of warm them up a little bit so anyhow right off the bat and i'm looking at them, you know we're talking and you know i just tell them, you know some quick tips right off the bat and so then by the time he gets there and right off the first shot, I am like, okay, oh, before you go, let me just go ahead. And, before we even get into this, I just want to help you with one little thing right here. Let me get you to do this right here. All right, here we go. I said, and just focus on this front sight, just like that. First shot, he is right there on the target where he's supposed to. <laughs> you know, and this is before even correcting his stance and his grip, the, his entire grip, these things that are very important. But it was just like one thing that I showed him that I, I feel like is one of the most important things, just basically like where his hand position is when he's holding the gun right off the bat. Even when he's actually putting the magazine in, having his hand in that certain position goes a long way. And he, he took that first shot. And then, and then I, saw, I said, go ahead and set your weapon down. And then I said, now, you good? He goes, yes. Whoa. Oh. He goes, because it's always that first shot that makes everyone nervous <laughs> because they've never shot before. You know, it's just like the fact that they're the ones that's actually about to make this thing go bang. You know, there's a lot of this, something is very intimidating. But then it's like, um, it's kind of like, again, I take it back to a date. That first kiss is, you know, you're a little nervous on that first kiss, you know, unless you already have your confidence like that. (laughs) You know, you've been there before, but if someone has never been there before, they're nervous, you know, but then once it's done, you know, they're comfortable with it. And then you probably can't keep their mouth shut and keep them from keep being sloppy over you all the time. So anyhow, after that first shot was over, this dude pretty much from that point on was hitting right in the middle of the, of the target where he was supposed to the entire time. So by the time we were done, it was time for him to take his test to get his concealed carry. All right, so this is like 45 minutes later from someone that's never touched a firearm before. And this dude pretty much almost got a perfect score. And he was just like in shock. And then I'm like, mm, I'm not surprised, you know? So he's like, he says, I have to ask you, what is your background? I said, my background as far as what? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I, I said, oh, I said, no. I said, I said, I've been a firearms instructor for six, a little over six years now. I said, but prior to that, I came from, I was, I was a strength and conditioning coach. Okay, before that, for about 12 years. I said, before that, I was in the entertainment industry. I said, I started out in radio. And he's just looking, he's like, so you're not, you've never done any military or law enforcement. I said, nope, not at all. So I leave that to my friends who actually, that's what they get paid to do. (laughs) He's like, wow. He said, you'd never know. I said, yeah, you never know that a DJ, you know, that kettlebell instructor can do, can help teach you how to protect yourself. (laughs) You know, you know, I said, and this is just the beginning. I said, there's far more to this than what we've done today. I said, no, I said, I'm just, I'm a forever student. I think I said that. I said, that right there is my cheat code. I said, I'm curious. I said, I'm always like a child. So I've always been curious. Once I'm curious about something, I go all in and I, I just, I have to pick it apart. I have to understand it because it's just telling me this is cool. It's just not never, Oh, this is a cool feeling. I'm like, nah, I'm interested in this. Let's take this, let's take this shit apart and put it back together again. I want to see how it works. I said, yeah. that's why I said, I will watch tons and tons of videos. Like, it's funny. I, you know, our friend Tim Larkin, you know, Tim has been posting, like he's had a great video series that he's posted on Instagram lately. And awesome. it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things that I already I've, he's told us this before in our training, a lot of these stories, but one of the, you know, one of the coolest things, like, you know, he actually had like this ex, you know, prisoner who was like the head of the Aryan, you know, brotherhood, you know, Tim has told us those stories so many times during training, but to actually see Tim actually interviewing this dude for the first time, you know, actually seeing this guy who I, I know these stories because I've heard Tim tell these stories during our training. So it's like, almost like I already knew this dude, but to actually see, uh, to put a face to the stories and hear it coming straight from the horse's mouth made it very intriguing. But that besides that, just some of the things that Tim has talked about in these videos, you know, I've heard them, I've experienced them, but I'm still glued to every time I post pops up in my timeline, I'm watching these videos, even though i i have ex- experienced these stories before or these examples in our training, I'm still intrigued by them because it's, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I'm seeing I'm seeing things for the first time again. (laughs) So meaning I'm, I'm hearing some of these things with new ears. I'm seeing these things with new eyes, even though I I've looked at it before I've seen it before and I've heard it before. So every time I go back in, because I'm at a different point in my life now and had some different experiences to where there are certain parts that may have gotten past me the first time it was told on the second or the third time by Tim or whatever. Whereas this time it's a lot more relatable and I'm, I didn't miss it this time around, you know, and it might just be he's telling it in a different way that makes it easier for me to digest as far as, you know, communication is going and education is going, you know, but again, again, by being that curious student, I'm picking apart what he's talking about and yeah, I'm experienced with this. Okay. I've understood this. We've been there before. He's talked about that before, but he never talked about this uh, pertaining to that. So do tell, I want to hear more, you know, and then I'm taking the, and those experiences. And that's helping me as an instructor as well. So I'm still a student, even though I'm being the instructor, you know, so, and that is never going to go away from me. I'm going to always be a student. It's just a life period. You know, I, even when I'm sitting there, yeah, we rag on people on social media, you know, cause it's fun, <laughs> but and I'm still learning. I'm still taking a page out of something that you know I was interested in college which is human behavior. So I think that's the reason why I can't just shut off social media because I'm always interested in how humans behave. They never disappoint. It's I'm basically I'm in a psych a psychology lab without having to go to school for it and pay tuition for it and run up a student loan debt, you know, to do so. And I feel like I'm getting a lot more out of it for free than to actually go and have to spend hard-earned money to sit in a classroom for an hour and a half, three days a week to do so. Whereas I can just sit here and just pick up my phone or look at my computer and get the same experience that I didn't necessarily get when I was in college. You know, it's far better this way. And the thing is the control groups are much better because half the time it's like this these people don't even know they're being part of an experiment, being part of a lab, you know, where their behavior is being, you know, watched and understood and, you know, and studied or whatever. Because in their mind, it's like, oh, they're going on about their lives, trying to be a certain way online, whether that's a positive thing or it's not, or it's something that's detrimental to who they are. But I'm observing this and I'm enjoying it sometimes. Even when it gets on my nerves, I enjoy it because I have, then it makes me reflect like, okay, why is this getting on your nerves? You know, so then I started to myself like, why is this bothering you right now? Okay, if it's bothering you because of that reason, why are you watching it? It's like, hmm, sometimes I kind of like pain. Okay, i watching some of these idiots, <laughs> you know. And then sometimes I just need to find something funny to send you on DMs to get you cracking up. Like, you know, the trifecta fart guy that I sent you. <laughs>
0: that was, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've never been disgusted and impressed at the same time. You <laughs> know? So basically, it like, was disgusting, but it's also kind of impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone I sent that to, they're like, "Oh my!" Everyone I sent that to said the same thing. Like, dude, okay, that's impressive. So basically, somebody was like using like night vision <laughs> to watch this guy. This is guy sitting outside. This dude's taking a leak outside, and while he's pissing, he burps and farts. I mean, he sneezes and farts at the same time while pissing. So, uh, so basically, I said the social trifecta right here. <laughs> So, and he's doing all this without missing a beat. So I was like, yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's the most disgusting, but intriguing thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he just carries on, like he's he's yeah, unbothered. Yeah. He's the- unbothered. <laughs> He's
0: obviously a guy who doesn't abide by my clean ass philosophy.
1: Not right? at all. Not at all. That's why when I saw that, you were the first person I sent it to. I said, "Oh, Mike's gonna love this."
0: But he also looks like a guy who doesn't have a clean anything. It never has Not at
1: all. Even <laughs> even with the infrared image, you can tell how dirty and nasty this dude
0: is. He doesn't look like a guy who's brushed his teeth in the last ten years, Sorry.
1: or wiped his ass thoroughly. It's like he does not own. He's the type of guy that he does not own one pure tidy whitey in his life. Okay.
0: Which no one should own. That's another No guy, anyway. That's for sure.
1: No grown ass man should be wearing tidy whites.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You might as well. You'd be better off wearing underoos. All right.
1: (laughs) Long johns.
0: those Darth Darth Vader underoos would be a better fit.
1: I mean, (laughs) you you can go. You can go fool a little house on the prairie and wear long johns if you want, but (laughs) no tidy whites, man. There is not a body built for tidy whities when you're an adult. I don't care who you are, <laughs> even if you can be the most fit, ripped dude, whatever. Nope, you got on tidy whities. To my, <laughs> I'm pretty sure your initials are stitched on the inside. Yeah, i know your mom <laughs> took care of you. <laughs>
0: like, <come
1: on. laughs> uh, you're wearing no, summer I, camp. I, you're wearing summer camp draws, dude. Stop it, okay?
0: <laughs> but I think what stops people from being successful way more than. Not having the perfect opportunity. And I'm speaking in generalities here a little bit too, is that lack of belief. In yourself you're not willing yeah. to bet on yourself people always think that they need if, if a great idea comes along or they meet the right person see right. that's all betting on externals if i yeah. just met the right person then i would be successful if i just found the, if i just got in on the ground floor of something then i would be successful but even if you come across those things if you're not betting on yourself you're not going to be successful when i look back at my fitness career i didn't bet on kettlebells taking off i bet on myself to be a pioneer in kettlebells taking off. But I bet on myself first, because everyone around me, look, there were probably 100 people who even owned kettlebells back then. This is 2002. Right. And they were expensive. And there, was, there were no kettlebell. There were no gyms that had kettlebells, which actually, these are all, when I say these things, I don't say them as negatives. I say them as positives, because when I started teaching, a lot of times I would be coming to someone's town. If they don't come to my course, they're never gonna get kettlebell instruction. There's no one right. in their town. So, it's either me or you got to fly to Pavel certification. And not everybody wants to do that. You don't want to, not everybody wants to spend three days learning how to swing a kettlebell. All right. Some people just want to take a class and be done with it and then yep. get on with their lives and incorporate it into their workouts. So, these were all, so the, the fact that no one else saw it as an opportunity or no one at a high level saw it as another, uh, as an opportunity, those were all things that I thought were favorable because. Right. Basically, I'm competing with no one. Even Steve Cotter wasn't in the game then. He didn't come on until maybe 2004 or so, and he didn't start teaching courses and getting to where in the direction of where he is now until 2004, 2005. Now, I was the only Mm -hmm. guy traveling the country and, and to some extent, the world because I went to the UK in 2002 as well and taught a course. No one, no no one saw, no one saw this as a viable opportunity. They, They just couldn't conceptualize. But what they didn't take, they're looking at some like, someone like my dad looks at statistical analysis. He's like, okay, the mm-hmm. probability of you being successful doing this is this. I go, here's the problem with your equation it doesn't take me into account. Me, right. what I'm prepared to do, who the fuck I am, what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. That's not taken into account in your dipshit calculation. No, You're looking at
1: the variable. Come on, look at the variable yeah. here.
0: If 10,000 average people try to do what I did, the probability of 9,999 failing is high. But I'm not those 10,000 people. See, it's not taking me into account. And that's the difference though between people that are really successful and those that are not is they bet on themselves. Every time you bet on yourself, I bet on myself. Everyone I know who's successful bets on themselves.
1: Yeah, big time. And the thing is like, it's like we're not afraid like, okay, if this shit doesn't work out, oh my God, it's gonna be the end of the world. Now we're like, this shit doesn't work out. Okay, well, (laughs) well, let me try again just in case if I really give a shit about it. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, and like okay you know what okay moving on now somebody you know there's maybe there's something there's something better at this point right. or let's just say by the time we get, we get it to where we want it and we're not one of those people like just keep constantly constantly like well not yet not yet and like no we just go in and it's like all right man the time has passed for this shit yeah you're just a little late to the game on this one by the time you start to like you know you start to want to get into it or whatever and we can admit to like all right a little late in the game with this but hey the thing is i learned a lot trying to prepare for this that i can take with me to the next phase to whatever else i'm going to do let me tell you something you know even going into in from investing you know a lot right now to you know personal protection instruction and all that a lot of what goes into what I'm doing in it, the systems that are in place from that can, goes all the way back to the 16-year-old me starting in radio, okay? Just being an effective communicator, being able to talk to people, getting to read for people, understanding what, you know, makes people tick, what they want. You know, it's no different than someone calling and say, hey man, can you play so-and-so by blah, blah, blah? You know, I had a really bad day at work and it'd, really be, it'd feel really good to hear that right now. You know, or I'm on my way to the gym, man, I like to hear so-and-so you know, so I can get crunked for this workout, you know, all those things, you know, there's so many things. So it's always been this, this connection this, 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 this line between me and the person on the other side of this and finding that common ground and providing a service for them that helps them like a, take care of a need or a desire for them. You know, therefore, at the same time it's also taking care of a need and desire for me whether it's to get more knowledge or to increase my bank account or all of the above okay so you get that system and it goes into even deeper in the entertainment world beyond just being a broadcaster and being on air to now taking to the clubs where you now i I see the people now it's no longer just someone on the other side of a phone or something like that you know calling in for requests now I actually get to see people so now is this this true interaction going on right here. And this same person, instead of just a, let's say maybe a one minute, a 60 second phone call for a song request. Now you got five, six hours, sometimes 12 hours where this person and you are in the same room together and you're still effectively communicating to each other, with each other, whether you're verbally talking to each other or you're doing it through the music. Okay. And then from there, you that leads you to working with record labels where now, you're going, you're, you can even massive, you're going on a much massive scale because now you're putting, you're working with an artist to put them in front of hundreds, thousands, millions of people, and you are trying to create a door to get them there. So now you're effectively communicating with a much broader scale of people, you know, right. so again, this all comes down to communication. And that is one of the most important aspects and resources to anything that you want to do and be successful, be successful. Even if you're trying to be by yourself, you need to learn how to communicate with yourself and know how to talk to yourself, ask the right questions and be truthful to yourself. When you just realize, you know what, dude, it's time to move on this horse look, look, beaten there, are, to death. There, are,
0: there are people who who didn't even know they were interested in hormone optimization until they heard me talk about it and it's right. not because they hadn't come across that kind of information before but because it was delivered in a way before that had, spoke to had no connection to them it was too much right. it was too academic it was too right too many words you don't understand. It didn't seem applicable or that important. Right. Someone like me can come along, go through the research and then deliver that information in a way that the average person can understand it. Right. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, wait a minute, this makes sense. Now I understand why I'm feeling the way I do and I understand a, right. a person to do something about it. And that gets people excited. They were. It's relatable. They understand the yeah. benefit.
1: Yep, those aha moments like, ah, right. that's why I was feeling that way. Oh, dude, or... OK, it's not just me. That one thing right there is one of the most is one of the key phrases to success, oh, absolutely. especially when you when you provide a service. The, the sooner you can tap into that, it's not just me with the person on the yes. other side. Yes. You're good. You're good, man. Exactly right. You're good.
0: <laughs> I think my whole business can be connected to that statement. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah, because I, I talked about issues I had with hormones when I first started researching it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. to this day, they go, Man, that article really helped me. I go, Wow, he's, he's, I feel like he's telling my story. Right. You know, I'm, I'm telling my story as in me, and they're reading and thinking I'm talking about them because it's so relatable. They understand all of that. And then what does that mm-hmm. make them do? They go, Okay, I want to know more about what this guy has to offer. What's he, what's, what's going on here? Well, let me check out this article. Okay, that makes sense. And then that leads to buying some products. And, Look, and it, just, it just goes from there.
1: Look, man, I've I've known you for almost 15 years now, and even we can still talk about things you bring up. I'm like, oh, damn. OK, <laughs> OK. And it's not just me. I'm still saying that when a lot of times we're talking, you yeah. know, even with things that you're discovering is you still on this journey. Because, again, you're a forever student, too, you know, wow. and you're especially in your craft. So you'll bring up things like, whoa, damn. OK. So even when we were talking about this time last year, and you and I were both just talking about a little bit we were taking a deeper dive in depression at that time, you know right. you know just it was just like a whole lot of okay i don 't feel alone, mm-hmm. in this is like, damn even my boys feeling this shit because but people looking on the outside, you know at both of us, they were like, no, those guys definitely not dealing with depression, they don't deal with that I'm like, dude, I fight that demon every day because mm-hmm. I know it's there it's in my it's in my mm-hmm. DNA, so I have to be very cognizant of of certain things to make sure that beast never gets out of the cave. But at the right. same time, I'm not going to hold it prisoner either. If there are certain aspects of it that need to be seen, I'm going to let, I'm going to let it a little bit, it's kind of like, okay, in prison, they at least get one hour a day to get outside. Okay. Okay. So there are certain aspects of, of those of any type of mental issues or depression, whatever, like, okay, you need to let it, let it give it a little breathing room here. So then it can be satisfied and go back to where it came from. Because the more and more you try to suppress it, the more that beast is going to sit there and just feed off of wherever it is, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it's going to come out and it's going to be something you cannot control. You know, it's just not. It's going to be a tough fight. So my thing is, and the way you do that, you got to really be having, like, you got to be really honest with yourself and recognize those things and not fool yourself into being, you know, good vibes only and you know, always be positive. I'm like, fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> like, you're like, no, no, you no. Know, sometimes you got to be a little negative because being a little negative is actually being positive okay like no i don't want any negativity around me i'm like how do you even live how do you be around how are you around yourself then <laughs> you know because that's just not possible so
0: yeah i mean negative energy often is what you need to transmute it into something positive
1: exactly like, yeah, it needs a catalyst i'm like how, how can you so look man no one how can you be the hero of your freaking journey if there is no villain <laughs> okay it's just, you gotta have the villain sometimes the villain is actually the hero when you go back and look at some of these stories like you know what yeah. i may have been wrong maybe the joker was right bane bane uh-huh. was onto something killmonger <laughs> was right i'm sorry t'challa <laughs> but killmonger had a he had a lot of valid points so so yeah man so at the end of the day we all have that villain and that hero you know so i was like I don't, i'm not trying to go into my joseph campbell here but i'm just saying you know in the hero's yeah. journey you got to deal with that in yeah, human. you have to be able
0: to channel all these different sides of yourself. Oh, you yeah. You can't try to diminish one and overly accentuate the other. That there's a time and place for everything. I mean, in fact, in one of my clips, actually, this is one I put out last year where I talk about five components of strength. And I, I've essentially said, if you're physically strong, but but financially weak, then you're just weak. And if you're financially strong, but you're physically weak, you're weak. If you're mentally strong, but you're physically weak, you're weak. Now you get it. So I Mm got these five things. I go, you need to be strong in all of these components. You need to be physically strong, mentally strong, financially strong, spiritually strong, emotionally strong. Now I was very angry when I delivered this because sometimes I'm really amped up when I put out these clips and there's one guy from Europe somewhere. He goes, why are you so angry in this clip? I go, why not? I go, anger, <laughs> anger is an emotion that we all have. So what's wrong with utilizing it from time right. to time? It made, it being angry made sense given the context of what I'm talking about. Now, if I'm angry talking about deadlift technique, it's going to be like, okay, uh, why are you so angry that's about
1: weird. Me? Yeah, that's
0: weird. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, they we get it. You know? It's but like, come you on, man,
1: you pick the weight up, you put the weight down, why are you pissed off? <laughs> oh,
0: look, like that other clip I put out earlier this year where I just rip on all of this virtue signaling and right false compassion. And I was really angry when I put that out because I, I had reached a fed up point. I was just right. fed up. And I said, and I brought up, I go, look- <laughs> If any of you guys give a fuck about anything, you'd be supporting Project Child Save. Why is that even something that we have to convince you that you should be supporting? But that yeah. actually is doing something tangible. You know, just getting online, complaining about stuff, going, oh, all of this uh, human trafficking is terrible. And now you feel good about yourself because you said something, you go on with your day, but you're not helping anyone that's actually in human trafficking, sex trafficking. Now, if you just make a donation to Project Child Save, I don't care if it's $5, $10, $2, you actually did more to help people than you you could ever do just talking about shit but doing nothing. Right.
1: Like, it's far more effective. Yeah,
0: there's there's a time where you should be angry. I mean, I'm not someone who just goes off all day long. You know, there's a time and place for it. To my, I'm yeah. I'm not angry. walking,
1: I'm not walking around like the punisher, just like yeah. <laughs> just pissed no, off all the time I'm looking for revenge of you know, the secret revenge on things. Most of well, the same time, time.
0: I mean, look when I'm in these customer service situations like what we talked about before before we started recording. We like go, when's the room getting ready? I don't know. Now, when I respond, I'm not angry. I'm not screaming at this lady. But I respond back showing, you can see in my face that I'm not happy with that response. <laughs> and you can hear in my tone that you better do something about it, right? Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to threaten to beat up someone here. I'm just showing that I'm not a guy to be fucked over here. That's all I'm putting it out there. And they, they realize real fast because the two times it's happened, the two times... Their response to my response was very fast. Now, if I were just Mr. Nice Guy, like, oh, no problem. Yeah, whenever the room's ready, just let me know. How fast right. do you think they're going to jump on it? They're not going to give right. a fuck. At the Encore, I think they were trying to give our room away to someone. That's the impression I got. And when I made and I said, well, look, here are the options. Either you put us in a better room or you get a comparable room but don't even think about trying to charge me more, for it. Because it's like, oh yeah, we can upgrade you for this fee. I was like, fuck the fee. No, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I was like, look, you want to upgrade me? You should upgrade me for the inconvenience. Let's start there. But I'm not paying dick for it more. I'm not paying one cent more than what I paid already. And they're like, oh, what was their response to that? Oh, I guess we better get the room that you booked for. It's like, yeah, oh, mother I mean. <laughs> Because I paid for that shit and I expected to be ready the second I come in here. Hmm. This is an expensive room too. This wasn't just a regular room. Not to say that, Someone who gets a regular room deserves to be fucked over either, but this is a premium room. this was a very expensive room, so that pissed me off even more it 's like I expect some red carpet treatment with this shit right The second <laughs> I walk in here right. it should be it should be an ass kissing professional fest right <laughs> I should feel like, I should feel like my ass is even cleaner after talking. <laughs> Because you should, I should be like, wow! Oh, I haven't had a rim job that good in a long time. That's how I should feel.
1: <laughs> Every like, time man. I
0: talk to someone here,
1: someone, <laughs> someone, someone—is it me? Does my ass smell like Tic Tacs?
0: No. What's funny though is I'll tell you the people at the Encore who have their ass-kissing skills on point. Like anytime you call the valets, <laughs> to, no, no. Anytime you call room service or you call to the, the operator, I mean, they like. Oh, and what can I, and, and how can I please you, sir? And what can I do for your pleasure? And is there anything else you need from me? Part of me almost was going to joke around and say, yeah, you know, I'd love a BJ. Are you available for that? <laughs> <laughs> when, when can you come up? Because they probably would have said, oh, sure, sir, sure, sir. We'll, we'll send someone right now. us. <laughs> and, and if it's not to your liking, just let us know. We'll send someone else. On. <laughs> They had, their, um, they had their ass-kissing skills on point. It reminded me of that Police Academy movie where someone goes, hey, uh, so-and-so is going to be here in six weeks. I'm like, okay, cool. Yep, gives you plenty of time to perfect your ass-kissing. <laughs> because those people at the Encore, they've gone through professional ass-kissing academy. All right? <laughs> I mean, and thank you so much for placing an order and letting me know. You know, like that kind of tone. I was like, "Damn, man, you guys are turning it up here." You know, now this is what it should have been like when I checked in. Okay, where where was this ass kissing when we showed up to check right.
1: in? <laughs> where's the chick from the phone? Where's the, where's the chick I was talking on the phone earlier? I need to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, but but.
0: You know, some, but like, like I said, but growing up, whenever my dad dealt with the customer service issue, he would go off. I mean, he'd be making a fucking scene and screaming. His face is all apoplectic. And to some extent, it was effective because they just want to get rid of this guy as fast right. as possible. But I, I could always tell that the person that he was going off on, they didn't really want to do anything for him. They just wanted to get rid of him as quickly as possible. So my attitude has always been, just be firm and strong, but I, I'm I'm not trying to. Also, a guy who looks like me or a guy who looks like you. If I start screaming at some lady, they're gonna call the police. Forget about, <laughs> right. forget yeah, about right. the angry white guy. My dad, he can get away with it. You know, he's he's a fucking intellectual with glasses on. Looks like he. <laughs> Like, like you know what my dad looks like? Whenever my dad goes and plays cards, I go, you have the worst disguise ever. He's like, what do you mean? I go, you look like a textbook counter. Like when right. exactly. like counter, <laughs> they're thinking of a guy like you, intellectual white guy with glasses on, very serious, not drinking alcohol. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> like so check, 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 yeah. check, check.
1: Yeah. You know? right. want, he wants to stay in his right frame of mind. Okay. <laughs> who, so him going
0: turns- off, like, all right, here's an angry white guy going off. That's a much difference than, different than you going off or me going off. Sometimes you need to go off given the situation, but it's rare. Most of the time, if you're firm, you're strong, <laughs> you make your point, that's enough for most people because they realize what the next step is. They realize that, okay, he's not happy at all right now. And if I don't do anything about it, he's going to be very vocal <laughs> about right. that. unhappiness.
1: Right. Especially once, he, especially once you get their name yeah Okay, okay, Jill. I was like, "Oh fuck!" She's probably like, "He's <laughs> he, he's gonna rip me in Yelp." I know he is. my That Google <laughs> review is gonna suck. <laughs> like that that TripAdvisor review is gonna be really bad, and it's gonna have my name in it. And then my boss is gonna read it, and then I'm gonna be in trouble. So let me make this right. <laughs> you call him the, you know the. Well, I need to speak with your boss. <laughs> Well, here's the number to corporate. Yeah. So I was talking to Jill today. It's, it's always funny how people emphasize the name of the one they talk to. Yeah. So when I was, I went to the win and I spoke to Jill and she didn't want to give me the upgrade because of this. And I was like, Jill, listen, it's like, okay, do we get it. You, you spoke to Jill. Calm down. So,
0: yeah, but I mean, yeah. if there's if there's, any, if there's one thing people remember from this episode, it's that you got to bet on yourself. You know, yes. That's the first step to any success. I don't, everyone always thinks you got to find the right opportunity, blah, 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 blah. Look, you can make fucking balloon sculpting the right opportunity if you bet on yourself and you believe right? strongly that that can work. <laughs> you, right. know? It's, it's like you have to have this belief that, hey, you know what? People make fun of balloon sculpting. They think it's stupid, but I'm so good at this and, I'm, and it's so much fun for me to talk about this that I bet that if I put that out there, other people are, enough other people are going to say, hey, man, that sounds cool. Let me give that a shot that I can actually make a good living or a great living doing it.
1: Yeah. I was going to, I know we had talked about, talking about just like things opening up and you kind of touched on it. Just talking about that experience, you know, at the encore, but you know, I think we can save that one for the next one. Big time. I think that was a good place. Betting on yourself is a good place to end this today. Right. So to give people something to think about because yeah, you know, as the world opens back up, you truly going to bet on yourself <laughs> and know who you are because, you know, people have been cooped up for the last year and a half and, Things are going to be a little different behavior wise and socially. People are going to have to reacclimate to being social again for the most part because there's a lot of new variants going on at this point compared to over a year ago. So bet on yourself, stand firm, you know, make sure your beliefs are on point. They're yours and that they're actually good beliefs to have, you know, again, betting on yourself, not just to be an asshole. So, yeah, good things to think about. All right, folks. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up right there. So That was
0: good. Yeah, that was that was fun.
1: So cool. All right, folks. And so we'll catch you guys on the next episode. So take care, everybody.
0: <laughs> take care, everyone.
1: That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively Show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to newwarriordefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life progressive Show by heading over to patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving patron-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.